0: So this morning, um, I wanted to start off a little differently today, um, and so if you're able to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand, which would not be unusual, but I'm going to read a scripture here that will prepare us for um, the message today, and then, and then we'll pray together. Uh, in Romans 12, uh, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so that first verse in Romans 12 is Paul making his appeal based on the gospel, based on the fact that all that Christ has done for us, uh, that the only response that we could have is to offer our lives to the Lord. And so this morning... uh, I'm going to just pray as we ask, maybe as we offer our lives to the Lord afresh this morning, okay? Heavenly Father, we we are so thankful for the good news of what Christ has done for us on the cross as we just remembered in communion. And this morning, Lord, we, we want to have just that, that only logical, uh, right response to such a great love demonstrated for us. And the only right response for someone that has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them is to offer our lives, offer the members of our bodies, uh, our hands, our feet, our mouths, our minds, um, everything, Lord, just uh, offering them to you afresh this morning. We ask, Lord, um, we just want to be used by you. We want to do your will. And so we ask, Lord, we want to we want to. If we've crawled down back off of the altar, uh, this kind of an altar of being a living sacrifice, Lord, we want to get back up there and say, Lord, we want to give you our lives. We want to live for you, whatever that means for us today, Lord, and in our situation. So we ask and pray that you would help us by your grace to do this. And and we also just pray, God, that you would uh, bind the enemy this morning from influencing our thinking, and help us to clearly understand what your word is saying to us today. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so if Jesus was living now and we could kind of like uh, import to you know, what was happening in the past today into our modern context, you would have John the Baptist texting Jesus and he would be saying, are you the one that we're looking for? That's what he would be doing. Uh, that is, if he had been able to get a burner phone in prison, because that's where he is. That's where he is. John is in prison, and uh, John the Baptist, that is. So, by the way, I'm going to say John a lot today, and, and just know that I'm, I'm talking about John the Baptist, okay, not John the Apostle. So, um, uh, but, but this is what's happening. John's got a question Jesus has a response, and, um, and then Jesus has a word for the generation that he's speaking to, and uh, it, I'll tell you this, it's not just a word for them, it's a word for our generation too, okay? And so uh, so this is just a message from John the Baptist this is our title today. We're going to look at Luke 7, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to those or go to your device, Luke 7, uh, verse 18, Luke seven eighteen, 18, and... Um, now, last week, I told you that the last week and this week would really be focusing in on uh, just answering the question, you know, who is Jesus? Who is he? And, um, and, and we're going to definitely get uh, a sense for more and more of who he is uh, in the passage today as well as John getting his question answered um, that he has. So, so let's look at John's question to Jesus, This this first item here, starting in verse 18, and I'll read this for you. So Luke 7, 18 and on to 23, it says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look For another. And in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And then he lists some things. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor. Have good news preached to them and verse twenty three and blessed is the one who is not offended by me and so so this is the the question right that John is asking: Are you the one who is to come, or uh, shall we look to another and when you read that, if you recall uh, earlier um, when John the Baptist saw Jesus out there in the wilderness, you know, because John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Um, of course, John the Baptist said, you know, behold, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sin of the world. You know, so you're like, well, is, is John the Baptist doubting? Is he confused? What's, what's with the question? Uh, so we, we don't have a definitive answer to that question. Uh, But I think that uh, I'll I'll offer a possible answer to why John would maybe be confused. And I'm just going to use the word confused. I don't think he doubts uh, that Jesus is from God. But I think he's a little confused. Now, in Matthew, uh, so if you kind of look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, here's um, what it says. Uh, John the Baptist speaking he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, who would be Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. Then, in verse 12 of Matthew 3, it says, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And when you look at that verse 12, don't you see an element of judgment there? There's kind of a separating of the wheat from the chaff and the burning of the chaff and that, that, that burning of the chaff with, chaff with unquenchable fire. Certainly an aspect of judgment, right? That the Messiah would come... Right, and as it says there, you know, in, in verse eleven, you know, he was coming as mightier than I. His sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Uh, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and then and then this aspect of judgment. So, so this verse speaks of judgment, and I think what was happening was was John was expecting some level of judgment coming from Jesus, right, and so. Reports he's getting in prison seem to be more of well, like just, well, okay, this is great. You know, people are being healed. They're being set free. They're, uh, he's, Jesus is out amongst the people ministering to them or whatever. But the Messiah is also supposed to be one who's going to come and also judge. And so I think he's just looking for some clarification. Like, did I, am I misunderstanding the role that you're playing here? Uh, And and I think it's it's a valid possibility. So he's just looking for some clarification, right? He's in jail, obviously. He's just getting um, secondhand reports, and he's just trying to understand this. And, of course, uh, what is Jesus' response? We don't get a, yes, I'm him, or or, no, I'm not. What do we get? Jesus' response, if you recall, in Luke 7, 21, where he says, uh, he says, Uh, In that hour, he healed many people of disease. So while John's disciples are watching, right? Jesus says, in that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases, plagues, evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. In verse 22, and he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. In other words, you know, these things that you're seeing, you just go tell John what I'm doing and that will satisfy his curiosity, right? Now, you think about this. Why would him seeing these things satisfy his curiosity? Well, um, basically what Jesus is is doing here as he he does these things and as he lists them off, things that he has done, healed people and so on and, and preaching good news to the poor, And raising the dead. And we've seen some of this, right, in Luke already, that Jesus has been doing these things. And so, uh, what this is, is Jesus is really connecting the dots to Old Testament prophecy. And if you look in Isaiah especially, you'll see a lot of these things listed that the Messiah is going to be doing, that Jesus just listed. I'm just going to mention one of them to you Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. So, Isaiah 35, 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And so, this is speaking of um, the messianic age, what's going to be happening when the Messiah comes. And so, uh, um if, you have, if you're taking notes, you might want to take note that Isaiah 29, 18 and 19 uh, also mentions that the deaf will hear, the blind will see. Uh, and, uh, and then 26:19 talks about the dead raising. And then Isaiah 61, 1 is the good news is preached to the poor. So all these prophecies about the Messiah, Jesus is just simply saying, you know, tell them this is happening. And so that'll be confirmation to him that I am the one who is to come. And so, uh, it, essentially, Jesus is simply saying, I'm doing the Messiah's work. Therefore, I am the Messiah. Right? And so, um, I think for us, as I think about this, and as, as we, if you're wondering who is Jesus, or, is it, you know, should you consider Jesus or just someone else you should be looking for? No, there's no one else to look for. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who's come, uh, you know, he's been sent from God, who is God come in the flesh, which is, again, hard for us to wrap our minds around that you could have God dwelling in a man, right, who would be fully God and fully man at the same time. But yet we know from the Scriptures as the description of Jesus that God and man are, are all in one there. But... But there's no one else to look for. You know, um, your your search can stop with Jesus, right? You don't need to look on a bookshelf for help there when it comes to uh, rightly relating to God and wondering why you were created and wondering what your purpose is in life. You find it in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, if you don't know this already, uh, your your search, uh, that that desire within you to maybe have some of those larger questions answered about, you know, um, is there a God? Who is Jesus? What's my purpose? Why was I created? Are found in Him. He has the answers. And so, uh, if you're asking uh, in certain ways, um, is there another? Should you be looking for another? The answer is no. Jesus has proven uh, that He is God come in the flesh, by the works he did, uh, not the least of which was to rise
1: from the dead, right? And to suffer on that cross for us. And so, the other thing that strikes me in this first little section
0: is that that last verse that is mentioned in verse 23, it says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Where Jesus is is um, telling them that you know if you are you know if you're I think the the point here is he has just gone to to describe that he's doing the works of the Messiah, and if somebody casts those aside and disagrees and saying well no he's not then they are offended by Jesus they're tripping over him uh, they are. Rejecting him. And, and, and what we need to realize, though, is that, it, that, that really, when it comes to Jesus, there's really just those who are for him and those who are against him. Right? Those who are for him and those who are against him. And, and he certainly performed many miracles while he was here on this earth, right? Those are recorded. And um, he rose from the dead, as we said earlier. There are eyewitness accounts of that written in the Scriptures. And much has been written on a defense for the faith when it comes to the resurrection. And so there's no shortage of material that you could find even extra biblical to learn about that and that it is true. Now, all of this just to say is... Truly, to know Jesus Christ and to receive him and to walk in his ways is the blessed life. That is the blessed life. He says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I mean, you think about, I I think about my own life. Where would I be if it weren't for Jesus Christ? Uh, I, my, my life might be living in some bottle of alcohol. I've, just to be honest with you, uh, with the way I was going uh, right before I became a Christian, and uh, and but Christ and God and His sovereignty, right, sent people with the message to me. You know, we I grew up hearing the message, but at that time I was not ready to receive it, right, and and so. Every person that receives Christ and, and, and believes in the gospel of Christ, right, has that time when they've put their faith in him. It might um it, it might build over time, right? And then um, I'm not so worried about can you pinpoint the moment, the second? But the real question is, you know, are you believing him and experiencing the blessings of salvation? That's what That's what Jesus, he's come. He says, preach good news to the poor. Well, listen, we are poor. We are poor of spirit, okay? Uh, We are, as Romans 3 just says, we're about as far, you know, this is a summarization, we're about as far as God as you can get. There is none righteous, no, not one. None seeks for God. So if anybody's seeking for God, it's because God is drawing them. Okay, so that in itself is a blessing that God will have, would have drawn you to himself and helped you see your need for a Savior. We are truly blessed, those who know Christ. We don't say that in a way that's better than, saying we're better than. somebody. No, we just happen to be in a state of being because of what Jesus did, that we're forgiven, we're right with God, we have the Holy Spirit, and in Him we find our, our our life, our purpose, our direction, and that is a blessed life. Because so many are um, who don't have Christ or just you know don't really know what. Why are they here? They're, it's a purposeless life. Uh, it might be maybe to to acquire a certain status. Um, See something accomplished there's nothing wrong with uh those sorts of things you know wanting to accomplish things right, but those things in themselves will not satisfy will not satisfy our need for a savior uh years ago I, and i i uh, as some of the parents the older parents that are probably now grandparents now we may remember. That there was um, there was a guy who was making videos, Christian videos, and his name was the Donut Man. Anybody remember the Donut Man? Any watched any of these videos? Maybe growing up, the Donut Man. Okay, so the Donut Man, uh, his shtick sch- was basically uh, that you know when you look at a donut, it's got a hole in it, right? And uh, and, and so there's something missing, and so he would draw this simple analogy for children and adults alike, that, you know, uh, we're missing something, but what we're missing is it's not a something, it's a who. It's, a Jesus, it's Jesus who we're missing. He's the only one that can fill that hole in our hearts, if you will, right? And it's such a simple message. I mean, you could say it's a silly message, but it, it strikes truth, doesn't it? Right? And so he would sing songs that would help connect these truths for children. And adults alike.
1: And so, uh, but we have to remember that uh, we have been created, uh,
0: you know, and as as a result of the fall of man because of our sin, we are not, we we are, we are, we are distanced from God and that only Christ can fill and satisfy us. And so, all this to say is that. As Jesus said, blessed is the one who's not offended by him, but who receives him. And so this morning, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you should be blessing God, and you should be thanking him for all the things that he has done and accomplished in your life. Sure, there's ups and downs. Sure, there's tragedies that we go through because we do live in a sin-sick world. This is not our home, but But at the same time, I pray, uh, even in our maybe last two songs that we sing today, would you think about the blessing that it is to know Jesus as Savior? Maybe think about the things that he did to, you know, because sometimes when you look back, it's so much easier to see some of the things that God was doing. Uh, You know, people he was moving your way and moving you around in a sense, right, Um, so that you would know him. And so today, I just pray that we would reconnect. If we've lost that, as believers, that that um, that wonder, that excitement. There's um, it's a little bit of a sidebar here, but I've been thinking a lot about the word zeal lately. And um, you know, there's 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 a good zeal and there's a bad zeal. You know, you can be zealous with. To be zealous without knowledge is not a good thing, the Scriptures tell us. But knowledge with zeal is a great thing for God. And I, one of the things is that if, we can, if, if we're lacking in zeal for the Lord, is to reconnect with that Christ, like, like Charlie said, Christ has saved us for good works. And not just for good works, but to be zealous for good works. Right And so, so might our prayer be today, if you know Christ as Savior, is that to remember the blessing it is to know Christ as Savior and maybe to stir our hearts, if they're not stirred, to be zealous for the things of God. right? Zealous for the things of God. Think about the things that really get you cranked up. right? I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what gets you excited or... Um, you know, just, uh, I don't want to say angry, but, you know, fired up, right?
1: Is it the things of God? Is it the Lord Himself? Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no.
0: That's, I'm sure, because of our flesh and because of the things that can come along in our lives. But, but I think if we were to think about the blessing that blessed is the one uh, who is not offended by the Lord. And to reconnect with that today might stir up within us maybe um, some zeal for the Lord. Now, as we go on in this passage in Luke 7, we get to get a glimpse of what John, uh, Jesus has to say about John the Baptist. All right, so it says here in verse 24, Luke 7, 24, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So here's uh, here's Jesus speaking. He says, what did what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? So he's, he's talking about John the Baptist. Remember, John's ministry was out in the wilderness. People came to him, right? You think about that old phrase that used to go around, right? If you build it, they will come, right? Well, he didn't build anything. He was just heralding a message, and they came, right? They came in the wilderness. And don't you remember, right? He was quite the fashionista of the day. (laughs) Why do I say that? Camel hair, camel hair clothing. Now, maybe that's in now. I don't know. Um, so, and then he, his diet, he's really kind of a, more of a fasting kind of guy. Um, but, uh, locusts and honey was listed as a part of his diet. I'm good with the honey, he never had a locust. Uh, maybe you have if you've been riding your bike and opened your mouth at the wrong time, I don't know. But, uh.
1: So, you know, this was his ministry. And so that's what Jesus is saying. What did you go out there to see? A reed
0: shaken by the wind? Well, that certainly wouldn't be something that I would describe John the Baptist looking at him and hearing his message booming forth. It's not some little wimpy reed blowing in the wind, right? What then did you go out to see? He says, a man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, Those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. Verse 26. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. So now there's going to be a quotation, right, about John. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John. Hey, now that's a statement, isn't it? Of all the people who have ever been born, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist.
1: I mean, that's incredible that Jesus would say that. And so, you know, Jesus is lifting up John the Baptist
0: as someone he says, yes, he's a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Like he's the last of the, if you will, the Old Testament type of prophets. But he has the job of preparing the way for the Messiah. That's what makes him a cut above in the prophet department. He is the one that's going to, the transition's going to take place. And we see this transitioning happening, don't we? We see his disciples, some of his disciples be coming over to hang out with Jesus and
1: following Jesus. Right, but then it, but but you can't stop there, right? Verse
0: twenty-eight says, "Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist." Wow, that's crazy talk, right? I mean, when you read that, that's just amazing that he would say that, isn't it? just amazing now when we look at that and we say why would he say that why would he say that now we'll get to that in a second but verse 29 and 30 let me take a look at that it says now you get that in the bible there's a there's a parenthesis here and so um sometimes you know you see these things because uh, there's a question about whether it was in certain um, manuscripts or not. That's not what this is. This is a, a literally a parenthetical thought, okay? A parenthesis, like when you would be writing. It's a parenthetical thought. Um, and so it says, when all the people heard this, and tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized him. So that parenthetical thought is kind of showing us uh, the disparity between the different responses that John got and Jesus got, right? Some rejected John and Jesus, and some accepted the baptism of John and accepted Jesus,
1: and so he's just simply pointing that out. And so let's take a look here and just,
0: um, let me skip by this. Uh, this is just uh, Malachi 3. one. It's the quotation that we read about um, John the Baptist. You know, he says, Behold, I'll send a messenger he will prepare the way before me. So that's just showing where that came from. But in, in uh, 7.28 here where it says, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Why would Jesus say that?
1: Well, I think it really just has to do with the timing of things, right? Really,
0: all believers after the cross are greater still because they participate in a full understanding of, an experience of something that John merely saw a foreshadowing of. He didn't get to see the final work of Christ, right? He didn't get to experience the, the resurrected Christ, right? And so we are greater than John the Baptist in that way. We have a full experience of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God now. Whereas at the time of this writing, when Jesus is saying this, John would not have that benefit. So we find ourselves, again, in a blessed place because of knowing Christ here after, um, after the resurrection.
1: So John was the greater of the Old Testament prophets, like we said before. And uh, you know he, he
0: really participated on, a, on that level there in a certain way, but not,
1: not since the Spirit was poured out. He hasn't experienced that, and we have. Now,
0: remember I said verse 29 and 30 was just a transition. It's kind of where Jesus is kind of, uh, it, well, in this parenthetical thought, uh, what, what we're being told is that some people, the tax collectors, um, as it was said, let me get back to what it actually says, and when all the people heard this, the tax collectors, too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. What do they mean? What does that mean that they declared God just? Are they judging God? No. The only judgment there would be is that they judged him right. God was right to call us to repentance. God was right to call us to repentance into a baptism that John was doing. He was right to do that. And it's because it says that those people that judge God right, right, the tax collectors, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized him. So they rejected the message. They basically said what John's doing is not of God. So in that transition here, then Jesus is going to tell a little parable, a little story. One place I came to it said they called it the parable of the brats. The parable of the brats. Let's talk about these children. In verse 31, it says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation?
1: And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another.
0: We played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. Okay, uh, well... You've you got to realize what comes right after this ties right into this. But what is this, what is this little, you know, th- this, this little story, this little parable, if you will? It's these children saying, listen, we, we did something and you were supposed to do something and you didn't do it. And we did something else and you didn't do that. That's why they call it, the, you know, the parable of the brats because they, they didn't like no matter what happened. They didn't like it. They were just, re, re, you know, they were just complaining about the situation no matter what. Now, how does that tie in? Well, we've got to go back to the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus. It says, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. So, okay, look, John the Baptist sent from God, right? Messenger of God, Malachi one. He's the guy preparing the way of the Lord, right? You guys said he, you know, because the way he was acting and the ministry he had,
1: he's wacko. He's got a demon. You rejected him. You didn't like it. You complained. For the son of man, okay,
0: talking about Jesus, has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So, okay, in comes Jesus, right? All part of the plan of God of salvation, right? And now, Jesus is not like John. His ministry is not out in the wilderness. It's with the people, right? He's healing them and being with them, and he's their friend. And so then he's saying, and he's having, you know, he's not fasting. He's actually eating and drinking with these people, with these sinners. And so they didn't like that either. They didn't like the guy who was fasting and out in the wilderness. They didn't like the guy who was in town hanging out and having meals with
1: people. They just rejected them both. And Jesus is saying, he's saying, this is what this generation is like. It's It's not how the message is coming. They just don't like the message. They don't like
0: the fire and brimstone that John's preaching. He's saying, repent and turn back to God and be baptized. Right? Now, Jesus called people to repentance too, by the way. That was the same gospel. He's telling them to repent and turn back to God for the forgiveness of their sins. Right? He's telling them. It's the same message, really
1: coming at them in a slightly different way, through a different person. They just didn't want to hear it. Doesn't that happen? Happens today.
0: doesn't matter how good and slick or even nice you make the message sound. If you're true to the message that people are sinners, separated from God, in need of a Savior, and Jesus is the only one who can fix that for you? That salvation and eternal life are found in Him alone and in no one else? You preach that message. I don't care how you preach it. Some people,
1: no matter how it's delivered, will reject it. They will say, you're not going to tell me that. But the encouraging thing here in verse 35, yet wisdom is justified by all
0: her children. And I think what he's meaning by this is yet, yet there are some people,
1: there are some people who will respond to the message and they will be noticeable. Wisdom is justified by all her children, meaning that you'll see the fruit of that. You think of children as the fruit of people, right? And some people will respond. the
0: message that was being preached and is still being preached by God's faithful
1: people. So, the way, you know, I I suppose that one of the reasons, there are many, I suppose many reasons why there are different forms of worship, ways of doing church. Church.
0: Um, Some people, it's the style of music, right? Some people, it's the um, something about the environment that they're in, where they meet, or I don't know. I mean, some people, there are various reasons. Now, some people, there are doctrinal reasons, and there would be good reasons to choose one church over another based on um, their divergence from... Uh, Orthodox
1: Christian faith, right? But it doesn't matter how the message comes. If we're faithful to the message,
0: right? Sometimes, don't, don't we worry about this in our own personal evangelism? We're so, like, we we were talking about trying to take the good news to our friends and family and our coworkers because we want them to know God. We want them to experience life in Christ,
1: we're so worried
0: sometimes about not coming across um, a
1: certain way that sometimes we never come across. You know, which is worse? Because, and I, I'm just trying to tell you that, it. you know, you can,
0: you can, Deliver the message different ways, but if you're true to the message, not everybody's going to accept you or really accept the message, right? So we have to be prepared for that. But some will. And that's the thing, right? Why do we share our faith? Well, certainly commanded to in the scriptures, right? And we don't know who will respond, right? You don't know who's going to be like the little brats complaining about the message, no matter how it's delivered, or who will be children uh, that are wise and see the truth of the message. You don't know. We don't have uh, heart scanners to know what kind of hearts they have, right? Truly. And so, but the message itself, right, isn't that uh, what we, we
1: read about in Romans, we think too much of ourselves sometimes as
0: believers, like meaning that that uh, when it comes to sharing our faith, you place too much importance on yourself in the equation, not enough importance on the God God and the Holy Spirit and the power of the message i 'm guilty. Okay, I, I've, I've definitely placed too much importance on myself, you know, of how I'm doing this. In Romans 1.16, doesn't it say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for
1: faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So we don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. We're acting ashamed if we don't deliver it.
0: And um, I'm all for, and our church is all for developing relationships with people. That within the context of relationships, people would hear the gospel, right? But make no mistake, it's not just being nice. It's not just doing... You, you being nice and you doing good things for people is not the gospel message, okay? It's an, out, it's an outworking of the gospel in a person's life. It's an outworking for sure. And God calls us to do that regardless of people's responses to do good works. But people will not know
1: how to get rightly related to God if we don't deliver the propositional truths of the gospel. And so we we have to make sure that we deliver the message to everyone you can't think
0: that this is the kind of person who's going to who's going to be uh, receptible because you don't know. Oftentimes it'll be just the opposite.
1: The people that you think won't do, and the people that you think do won't. We just don't know, and we can't make that judgment So this morning as we as we just close off here. we
0: take some time in our last couple of songs just to ask the Lord to remind us of the time when we came to know the Lord, When we, the blessing. Blessed is the one who is not offended by Jesus. And if you receive Christ as Savior, you've not been offended by Him, you've welcomed Him. Reflect on your blessing. Give thanks to God for the blessing that Christ is in your life, what He's doing. But also,
1: <clears throat> let's be challenged. Let's ask God to help us to not be timid with the gospel message. Because some will respond to it, some
0: won't, and we don't know. But we still have to scatter the message. That's our job. That's why we're here, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
1: we ask that Your Holy Spirit would help us now
0: as we worship, as we we worship through singing. And might our hearts and minds be engaged in these next two songs. We might commune with you and remember and thank you for the blessing. What a blessing it is to know you, to have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Let us reflect on your intervention in our lives when you, the different ways that you intervene to bring us to yourself.
1: Lord, might that evoke just praise in our hearts today, God. And Lord, use us for your glory. Help us to open our mouths with the message, the one true message of the gospel of Christ. That answers so many questions for people.
0: So, Lord, help us help us, to be, help us to be faithful. Help us to not be ashamed
1: of the gospel. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.